Welcome to a Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart coming to you from the walk-in closet in my home on the shore of Lake Huron in southern Ontario, Canada. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us from international locations. We're dealing with a dilemma in this episode. Had it? Lost it? How do I get it back? What we're talking about is that elusive draw weight. And I've got some help for you. I call it the life jacket. So let's get started. For a curler, there's no feeling like it. And it is not a happy feeling. What is it? It's that feeling when you realize that that weight in the back pocket feeling that you've had for the first portion of the game, for some unknown reason, is now gone. How do I get it back? I'm going to try to help you with that by thinking about it differently. So let's take a look at this. And for this, I'm going to identify five parts of a curling delivery. It's my terminology. I don't think you're going to find it in any textbook. Well, of course, the curling delivery starts in the hack, and we'll call it the hack position. Then we move our sliding foot and our hips back, and even though it's for varying amounts of time, but curlers will come to a pause, and when that happens, we call it park. So, hack position, sliding foot back, hips back, stops, park. Then we start to move forward. Sliding foot moves forward, hips come forward and down. And as soon as the hack foot leaves the hack, we say you've bottomed out. And instantly, when your hack foot leaves the hack, you're into position number four of the five and clearly you're sliding. Now, for the purpose of this particular activity, we're going to apply a rotation to the rock, but we're not going to use any fine-tuning mechanism. So there's going to be no forward arm extension. We'll rotate the rock, but that's it. So to recap, we've got hack position, park, bottom out, slide, and release. So I'm going to call upon your powers of imagery here for this activity. So imagine a curler in the hack with a rock. You're standing beside that curler and you have a stopwatch. And you're going to time, literally, the amount of time consumed as soon as you see the hips start to move forward. And then you're going to look down to the hack foot. And the instant it leaves the hack, you're going to Stop the watch. So start the watch as soon as you see the hips go forward. Stop the watch the very instant the hack foot leaves the hack. So here we go. Shot number one. Hack position. Foot comes back. Hips come back. Park. Then as soon as the hips move forward, we start the watch. We look down at the hack. As soon as the hack foot leaves the hack, we stop the watch. The curler's in the slide. No fine-tuning mechanism. 
applies the rotation, the rock moves down the sheet of ice and comes to a stop. We mark that spot. We check the watch and we find that the curler consumed from park to bottom out 1.0 seconds. We bring that rock back. The curler is back in the hack and it's going to deliver the rock down the same path with the same amount of rotation. Only this time, when you start the watch at the park position, as soon as those hips start forward and you stop it when the hack foot leaves the hack, it only consumes 0.5 seconds. So from park to bottom out, only 0.5 seconds were consumed. The athlete slides, applies the rotation, the rock moves down the ice. So here's the question. Where is that rock going to come to rest relative to the first position? So think about this. The curler took only half as much time to travel the same distance. That park to bottom out is the same distance, but got there consuming only 0.5 seconds. It would stand to reason, therefore, that the athlete must be sliding more quickly. And that, of course, is going to add more velocity to the rock. And the rock is going to go past that first spot and then come to rest. One more time. Back in the hack with the rock. This time, from park to bottom out, the athlete consumed 1.5 seconds. First one was 1.0 seconds. The second was 0.5 seconds. And this time it was 1.5 seconds for the athlete to move from park to bottom out. In the slide, rotation, the rock makes its way down the ice, comes to rest. Comes to rest where? Relative to the first two positions. Well, again, it would stand to reason that if the athlete was consuming 1.5 seconds, the greatest amount of time of the three, the athlete was probably sliding more slowly, and therefore that rock will become to rest short of the other two. That's what I call the life jacket. Instead of trying to search for the feel, you're going to switch to thinking about the amount of time from park to bottom out. Now, some of you listening to this episode will say, well, really what's changing is leg drive. Could you not think about that as well? Sure, if that works, that's fine. But the point here is this. You continue to think about weight control for downweight shots. We're talking about draws and guards, especially draws. We want you to start to think about it as the amount of time consumed from park to bottom out. When you make that first draw or that second draw right to the T-line, ah, that's what that feels like. You take the life jacket off, put it back on the hook behind the sheet, and you're back to playing the game with draw weight in your back pocket. Thinking about the amount of time that you take from park to bottom out, hopefully it will work for you. But there's other ways that you can get that feeling back. And here are five others. The vibration that you feel on the base of your slider as you slide over the pebbled surface, either more quickly 
or more slowly, is going to change. Sometimes we're just not aware of that. But if you take some slides of varying velocities and pay attention to the feel of that vibration on your slider over the pebbled surface, there's another way to indicate how quickly you're sliding. Secondly, sound. Well, what would make a sound? Well, it's your delivery device. Whether it's a stabilizer or a brush, it's going to make a sound going over the pebbled surface. The pitch of that sound is going to change. Be aware of the difference in the pitch of the sound as you slide more slowly or more quickly. Thirdly, we slide through an ocean of cold air. The wind chill that you create on your cheeks is going to change. Never thought about that. Well, start to think about it. Starts to feel it. Slide quickly through that ocean of cold air. Feel the wind chill on your cheeks. Then slide more slowly. The wind chill temperature will change. Fourth, the amount of time that you take from bottom out to the hog line. Sounds a little bit like interval timing, doesn't it? Those of you who use interval timing are going to feel that it's just simply taking too long to get to the release point. I should be getting there faster. Or no, I'm getting to the release point too quickly because you're aware of how much time that you're taking as you slide. And the fifth one and this only works for those of us who slide and allow our slide to come to its natural stop. Well, that was me in my playing days. When I delivered a downweight shot, I did not artificially stop my slide. I always let my slide come to its natural stop. And once I had draw weight, I would take note of how far I slid down the ice. And there were all sorts of markers to help me with that. Perhaps a logo in the ice or a bench. And if it was a bench, well, I know I knew if I stopped at the, where the bench was located, that's about as far as I should slide for T weight. If I slid past the bench, I knew I was going too quickly. If I didn't make it to the bench, I knew that I was sliding too slowly. It's a cocktail. We mix those ingredients. But so often, we're just simply not aware that there's other ways to tell how fast we're sliding. So what I'm trying to do here in this episode is make you aware that sensory perception comes from a variety of sources. So I would encourage you in your practices to be aware that there are others besides the traditional Feel for draw weight. Well, thank you for joining me today. Hopefully, this will help you when you experience that. Had it? Lost it? How do I get it back? And now, you know how to get it back. I want to thank my sponsor, Canada Curling Stone, for supporting a pain in the glass podcast. So until next time, good curling.